Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Wondering where to start? Do you have questions about mortgage and real estate and need honest, accurate answers? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Educated Home Buyer with expert real estate broker, Jeb Smith, and certified mortgage consultant, Josh Lewis, where we discuss everything you need to know to buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership. Welcome back to The Educated Home Buyer, where our goal is to help you buy right, borrow smart, and build wealth through real estate ownership and financing. So over the last couple of years, we've seen home prices go up tremendously. A lot of people have been priced out of the market. Some people have sold and sitting on the fence because they're looking for a deal. Everybody wants to get in the market. Everybody wants a deal, regardless of whether they're buying a you know a house or whether they're looking at a car or what have you, Josh. So Let's today, let's talk a, a little bit of, you know, take some time and and help those home buyers out there looking to purchase in this market. You know, what things I would look at as a real estate agent, you know, in order to help a buyer get a deal. You're on the lending side, but you're someone that's flipped, you know, 50 plus homes over the years. What are you looking for in a deal in this market? So as we dive into that, I think it's important to maybe start by talking, what is a deal? Like, it's it's relative to each person, but when you hear the word deal, Josh, what are you thinking about? Well, let's definitely talk about it. Let's talk about why is it a hot topic right now. One thing, because prices are, are at highs, all-time highs, but most importantly, we're coming off a two-year period where there was no such thing as a deal. You know very well, you would come back in here to the office and tell me you are not going to believe the house that I just showed and how <laughs> awful it was and how many offers they got and the price that uh. it sold for. So um, from, from a buyer's perspective, they are keenly interested in saying, how do we shift away from that and possibly get a deal? So um, let's start with what people think about and talk about getting a deal it varies it varies by market and it varies by property if you're um you know looking at oceanfront property a deal may be just being able to get the nicest home with the nicest view at whatever the price that is but for us for most of our clients they're saying a financial deal how do i get something for less than what it went for previously or should go for. So let's kind of start, Jeb, with just talking about what fair market value is when it comes to real estate. And we had this question come up so much over the last two years. People are saying, I'm not paying over fair market value. And you're like, correct, you are not. There were 27 offers on that property, which tells you that the fair market value is much higher than what you're calculating, thinking, or seeing online. So right now, when, when we talk about fair market value in real estate, it's the it's the determined price that a property will sell for in an open market between a willing buyer and seller, both of whom are reasonably knowledgeable about the property in question. So when we think of this, we generally think of, of properties that are listed in the multiple listing service that you and all other agents have access to. That's what we're talking about um, in an open market and people would be reasonably knowledgeable because it goes and aggregates out to every website on the planet. One, someone lists their home with you, Jeb, and you put it in the MLS and it syndicates out and there's a sign in the yard. Everybody knows that that home is for sale. Now, that really is, is where we need to, to start from. If you're dealing with someone who's listed their home for sale, they're reasonably knowledgeable about the market, represented by a good agent. So everyone's kind of aware and has the same information. What we want to talk about today is 
how do you increase your odds of getting a deal on that type of property? We're not going to go down the rabbit hole of how do you find off-market properties? How do you find distressed properties? Because for the most part, Jeb, you've shown the charts many times. There's almost no distressed inventory out there. And when there's so little supply of something and people think that it sells at a discount, the paradox is it usually sells at a premium because people are chasing after it and overpaying for what it's actually worth. So when I think of this discussion that we're going to have, um, how do we get a deal? I think of what is fair market value? What does that specific property look like? How is it being marketed? And what are my odds and likelihood of, of getting a deal? And that's what we're going to talk about today. No, absolutely. And, and you could be looking at the market saying, you know, a deal for me is just getting my offer accepted. I mean, I still have buyers out there in the market at the moment, even though prices have cooled some, properties are sitting on the market a little bit longer, you know, there's been some inventory added. I still have buyers in multiple offer situations that are putting in fair reasonable offers, you know, many times at the asking price, sometimes even above and aren't getting their offer accepted. So for them, a deal might be, I just get my offer accepted and not having to do the craziness of what we were doing, you know, six, eight months ago, because they were putting in offers then as well. And so to them, the deal is just, Hey, I just want to get a house. I want to stop dealing with the crap. Whereas the person that's looking at the market, maybe they've been a homeowner in the past, or maybe they're just somebody that's been priced out of the market a deal to them might be 10, 15, 20%. Now, I don't know that that's going to be a reasonable um, want um, in, in this market. I mean, it's it's a want, I guess, is 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 reasonable if you, if you want it, but is it actually likely to happen? That is, is to be determined. So what we're going to talk about is how to use properties that are on the market, like Josh mentioned, talk about some key things to, to look for in those properties. And then in addition, things that I would look for as an agent, if I were looking to buy a property and try to get a deal in this market. So Josh, you know, it's all about seller motivation. It's always about seller motivation. What, why does the seller need to sell that property? Do they need to sell that property? Are they a serious seller? I mean, at the mo at the moment, I believe there are homes sitting on the market that are for sale that aren't really for sale. They are sellers that have potentially miss the peak in pricing. If they could get their number, they would be a seller. But if they can't get the number that they feel their home is worth for whatever reason, then they're probably not going to sell that property. So those aren't serious sellers. So the motivation on those people is going to be really, really low to get rid of that property. Jeb, Where, those, those remind me, do you remember 10 years ago, I think Zillow got rid of this feature, but you could put a make me move number yeah, on your absolutely. house. Yep. And that was at the bottom Fantastic. of the market and, yep. and you, that, in a neighborhood of $400,000 homes would say, make me move $550,000. You guys as listing agents are- Should have bought a hundred of those. <laughs> yeah, they're a million now. Uh, too funny, but yeah. So so finding out seller motivation is one. And, and before we talk about like the, the major three things of, of seller motivation, you know, one thing you can do as, as a buyer um, is is talk to the listing agent or and or have your agent call the listing agent and try to find out why the seller is selling that property. Are they is it a job relocation? Are they moving to the East Coast? Did they build another house, you know, that's finishing construction and they, they need to sell their house in order to move? Maybe they talk about, um, you know, one of the three D's. Um, Josh, and I'm going to throw it your way here and, and talk about those and, and why those three are important in the process of, of people, of, of motivation, if you will, from the seller side. 
Absolutely. Um, so number one that we talk about is is death. Someone dies in the home, and the the inheritance, um, the 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 people who are getting the property don't want it. Maybe they live in Michigan and the house is in California or vice versa. So that property has to be sold. They are motivated to sell it and get as much uh, as possible out of it unless they decide to move it to rental inventory. I have a perfect example of this. A client that we helped with uh, a loan last year um, helped her ex-husband actually get her off of, of the loan. Well, unfortunately, her new boyfriend passed away unexpectedly and his kids cannot afford his house, don't want his house. And we're looking at um, her being able to buy that. So death often brings homes onto the market, makes them available, and there is a, a strong need to sell, but not always. So again, your agent Jeb or whoever's representing you needs to find out, are there other are there other options here? Is keeping the house an option or is it no, we've inherited this and we absolutely positively have to sell it. Um, divorce is a, another one. You know, it doesn't always mean that someone is going to sell, but let's say we have a two income household, husband and wife both make $85,000 a year. So they qualified for a home off of $170,000 household income. Neither one of them are going to be able to carry that big payment. So they're going to have to sell. Um, these can be particularly sticky and hard to get a deal because now you have to get two people who don't like each other very much and have decided to live their uh, live their lives separately to agree on a price and you're trying to come in at a lower level. But it does indicate a high degree of motivation for that seller. Um, you also occasionally, which we have not seen a lot in this market, is people get overburdened by, by debt and they don't have a choice. They have to sell. They either borrowed too much against the house or they ran up too much other debt. And the reason why I say this isn't super prevalent right now is because consumer debt uh, until very recently, credit card debt was at, at low levels. Homeowners had the chance to refinance the last two years at really low interest rates. And if they had some higher rate consumer debt, higher interest rate consumer debt, they've been having a chance to roll it down. So those are the big negative things that lead people to move. The other one that I would throw in there, Jeb, you know, when we get done recording here today, I have a client we're going to have a conversation with, helped them buy a house about 18 months ago. And his wife just got a new job and it's about 90 minutes away and they don't want to do a 90 minute commute. And um, she was a professor that had three part time jobs that that amounted to about 70 percent of what this one full time job provides. So for their family, much better opportunity. And for them, it's a lateral move in home price. They're going to sell for a little over a million. They're going to buy for a little over a million. But they're motivated. They have to move because she can't make this big long commute every day like she is right now. And they want that higher income and for her to only have a single job. So those are the big ones that I see that are big motivations for people to sell versus just, hey, I want a new home. I want to downsize. I want to upsize. I want to live in a different neighborhood. Now, and you'd be surprised what a listing agent will tell you. Um, you know, especially inexperienced listing agents. You know, sometimes they just want to get rid of the property. They're like, hey, listen, I'll tell you whatever you need to know. To, to help bring in an offer on this deal just so we can get something going. And so oftentimes experienced agents aren't going to give you anything to, to hurt the negotiation, but people, you know, especially if you befriend them and you're having a conversation an open house, or if maybe two agents know each other, you're able to get a little bit more information and that will help you in tailoring your offer. Now, let's say in this case, you can't really get that, that motivation from the seller. So in that case, what do you look for as a buyer right now? Some of you guys know some of these things that we're going to talk about, but we're going to talk about them in a little bit more detail. And the first one, vacant properties, properties that are sitting 
on the market that are actively listed on the market that are vacant uh, are often an opportunity, uh, you know, where the seller might have a little bit more, more, more motivation, especially if that seller has a mortgage on that property, they're paying property taxes on that property for whatever reason. Now, I have a story recently where I have some, you know, clients of mine looking at a property uh, that is b- both vacant and it's a divorce situation. The agent told us, but guess what? They're not motivated to sell. They're looking for their price. So in this case, that didn't necessarily work. But in a lot of scenarios, especially in experiences I've had in the past, you find properties that are vacant. They're an opportunity for you to to make an offer. And maybe that offer sits a couple of days and, and, and that seller just kind of um, you know, thinks about it and then they get back to you or whatever. At least it's, you know, there, you know, going in, there's a little bit of motivation there. The second thing are homes that are sitting on the market a little bit longer. Now at the moment, we're naturally seeing homes sit on the market a little bit longer. Seasonality, affordability coming into play. This is the time of year. You know, I kind of mentioned seasonality where homes are sitting on the market a little bit longer. So when you see a home, you know, sitting on the market for 30 days, that to me is not really a lot of motivation. I mean, 30 days is not a long time. It might seem like a long time relative to the last two years, but historically speaking, it's still a short time on the market. But if you see a home that's been on the market 100, 120 days, 150 days, something like that, starting to move five, six months, those sellers are going to be a little bit more motivated most of the time, especially, again, if those properties are now vacant. What if you got a property that's sitting on the market for an extended period of time and it's vacant, that to me shows somebody that that probably wants to sell. Now, Josh, this is something I threw in there. Homes that have fallen out of escrow, right? It's something that people don't think about. You see a property go pending, and then it comes back on the market. Well, that might seem like, ah, well, the buyer got cold feet, they're backing out, something's wrong with the property, I'm not buying it. Could be a it could be anything, right? It doesn't necessarily mean that something is wrong with the property. Maybe something happened, buyer backed out, whatever. Well, what if that seller was contingent on on that deal closing in order for them to buy their next leg? Or what if that seller's moving across the country and they're counting on that property closing for whatever to happen? There's more motivation there. So, and they are probably more likely to deal in those scenarios because, hey, listen, they were happy. They probably excited. Emotions were high that they went into escrow. And then probably completely deflated once it fell out of escrow. And there's some emotion there. They're, they want to get it back into escrow. You know, I've had clients in this scenario. They're, you know, they're bummed. And they're like, you know what? I'm over this. Like, I just want to sell this property. If that's your offer, I'm willing to accept it. And, you know, deals are relative. We talked about that. But these are things that you can look for. Now, Josh, um, you know, some other things out there that we've talked about. How about homes that have seen decreases in the market where you've seen a home go down maybe several times? Does that, you know, look like a motivated seller to you? Again, these things are all just pieces of the story. It could mean that the lunatic thought their house was worth 200000 more than what it's actually worth. And the realtor said, I'll take the listing and we'll we'll get them to come to reality over time. Or it could mean that there's something unique uh, about that property that people are coming through seeing it and not liking it. And it is an indicator if the seller is willing to make multiple price reductions that they're motivated. It goes back to motivation. You know, if you're not that motivated, Jeb, if you list my house and you say, hey, it's not selling, we had to cut it $50,000. And I go, I don't want to. And you come back two weeks later, hey, we need to cut it $50,000. I don't want to. And you come back two weeks later and we finally agree to do it. When you come back the next time, 
I'm not motivated to sell the home and keep making those cuts. I really don't want to do it. But if you have someone that two weeks in goes, yeah, let's cut it. And two weeks later, they cut it again. And they started at what seemed like a reasonable price or maybe slightly higher. That's going to tell you um, that they have a, a motivation, their willingness to cut the price. Did they start at a reasonable price and not horrifically overpriced? And are they willing to make those cuts when their their agent advises them to, to do so? You know, and Jeb, one one thing back home sitting on the market, especially vacant home sitting on the market. One thing that's fairly easy for your realtor to research for you is there a loan on that property? Yeah. Because I, I was out on a walk this morning and um, uh, some friends of ours live right around the other side of the loop from us. And they knew the super sweet older gentleman um, lived next to him and he passed away like five years ago. His daughter's a little bit crazy, but she turned out to be a genius. She inherited that property and it is sat there for five years. And it looks like in the last three or four months, she may have moved in. It's the ugliest house in the neighborhood. The older gentleman wasn't able to do upkeep. Um, and you're sitting there, she should just sell it. She should just sell it. Well, what's happened to that value in the last five years? It's gone up about $600,000. What was the cost to her? Her parents bought that home in the 1970s. It's about $1,500 a year in property taxes and probably another $1,000 a year to insure it. So for $2,500 a year, she's watched it go up in value over $100,000 a year. So for her, that fact that that house sat there and was vacant, you could have written 57 letters to her telling her the greatest story about how you've always wanted to live in that house and loved her parents and, and all of the above. She doesn't care. Economically, it made sense for her to leave that there and, and let it go up in value. So these are all, all of these things are indicators, but you got to kind of pick at the story and dig at it. And a lot of these things, you do need your realtor's help or a, a lender's help to get at that data um, because it's not necessarily public records for you to be able to see that uh, that they have financing on that property or not. And that story you just told are going to kind of lead me into to, to two of the last ones here, and that's properties that are outdated or distressed, right? If you've got out there looking and you want the model perfect home, you know, the one that looks like HGTV with everything done. In my experience in this market, those homes are still selling at a premium relative to the regular market, right? Whereas a home that's a little bit outdated, maybe a little bit distressed, the ugliest house on the block, if you will, those homes give you more opportunity for one because there's less competition, but also, you know, those are, are opportunities because they're usually sitting on the market a little bit longer in this market. They're not going instantaneous. They're not selling as soon as, as they hit the MLS, right? So these are opportunities. Look for the property that needs a little bit of work. And that are those are opportunities for you to add additional value, which we're not going to talk about in today's video or today's podcast, rather. But we can talk about it in the future about buying these distressed properties and how to add value on them. But look for that. And then one of the last things I'm going to talk about here is our homes that are in pre-foreclosure. Now, we don't have a lot of these at the moment because of equity positions and properties and the market appreciating. But occasionally, if you're following Zillow and some of these, you'll see a property comes up that says pre-foreclosure. What does that mean? That means that the, the bank is, has issued a notice of default on that property. So the bank says these people are behind three months. Now, that doesn't mean they don't have equity in the property. I, I want you to understand that. It doesn't mean that at all. They could have plenty of equity in that property. The bank is just saying, hey, listen, you are behind on your payments for whatever reason. And, and so when it goes to notice a default, there's a pre-foreclosure thing that comes up and you see it across some platforms. That's an opportunity for some buyers because you might be able to go to that seller and explain to that seller, hey, listen, you've got equity in your property by selling, you know, today and, and walking away versus just staying in here and not making the payments, 
you can actually walk away with cash in hand versus staying in the property, you know, and, and eventually maybe getting evicted from it um, and, and losing part of, of that equity foreclosure cost and so on and so forth. So there's some opportunities. Now, again, this isn't a market where you're going to find a lot of them, but maybe you're listening to this two or three years down the road and there's some more in the market and there's an opportunity there. And the last thing, Josh, I'm going to mention time of year. We're headed into the fall winter market. This is a time of year when I think you can probably get a deal over any other time of the year. People have a misconception that they want to buy a house in the hot time of year, the spring, summer market. That's when the market's hot. That's when I'm gaining equity. That's when I want to buy. That's fair um, if that fits your life. But if you're looking for an opportunity, uh, maybe it's not the most convenient time of the year because of holidays and maybe you have kids and there's Christmas and all of these things going on. Maybe you travel during the holidays. You don't want to buy a house during the holidays. Well, guess what? Most people don't want to sell a house during the holidays, but the homes that are on the market during that time of year show motivation. We started the podcast by talking about seller motivation. Homes that are sitting on the market between mid-October, maybe even the end of October through the end of the year, that to me shows a seller is motivated because they're willing to deal with whatever you know craziness happens during the holidays and still willing to show and sell their home or whatever. Maybe they have to get it sold by the end of the year for tax reasons or whatever. That is the seller motivation. So you're headed into a time of the year where the market's already slowing a little bit. You know, if you're able to find a property that has any of the things that we've talked about here, it could be a good opportunity coming up over, over the next couple of months. But last thing I want to talk about, Josh, is real estate being local. What, what does that mean in terms of, of, you know, homes on the market, you know, in a neighborhood versus less homes? Is there an opportunity there? And, and you know, yeah, well, what does real estate as local actually mean? The numbers that you see, if you're browsing through your Google feed or you're online and it's Money Magazine or it's the New York Times or whoever that is commenting on the real estate market, they're not looking at your local market. They're looking at national figures. And that is no way to judge your market. Your local market could be hot or cold while the national market um, could be the exact opposite. So you need to know in your area what's happening with, with inventory. Is inventory growing? Is inventory decreasing? Is time on market um, stretching out? Is time on market getting shorter? Um, and and is there distress in my market? You know, some markets are different. You know, primarily first-time buyers with uh, FHA financing and lower credit scores, you might see more distressed inventory. So you have to look and know your local market, not the big headline numbers that you're seeing on the TV news or in the headlines, because it doesn't really matter. The only thing that matters is your local market. And one of the things, Jeff, kind of going back to that seasonality part that you were you were talking about there, there's a saying, there's a lid for every pot in um, used car sales. There's an ass for every seat, however you want to say it. That is true. There is every house that's out there. There's someone who would be willing and able to buy it. So what we're talking about here in your local market is how active is that market? How likely on a unique property, slightly distressed property, slightly different property, are you to find that unique, different buyer that wants that property to arrive at a fair market value price? If it's unlikely, 
or this unique property that most people don't want, you're able to look at it and go, well, that's unique, but I can fix that in this way and I can be the, the lid for that pot. You can get a, a deal. So you're really looking for inefficiencies in the market. And, and the one thing that is not that is distressed or pre-foreclosure properties right now, because there are so few of them available and they have such a reputation for selling at a discount that paradoxically, the prices get bid up on those where you're paying too much for them. It's sort of like we talked about, you know, when the market was super hot a year ago, people are saying, I want a fixer. And I say, you absolutely don't want a fixer. It will sell at a discount to the, the, the market value of fixed up homes, but it won't sell enough of a discount to make it as nice as those. So you have to look truthfully and honestly, what is the number? Why am I getting this discount? What is the number and how does it work? And, you know, we, we're going on, what, 25 minutes here, Jeb. And the thing that I get to in, in the end of this conversation is, most consumers who only buy two, three, five homes in their lifetime are not going to have the skill set to do this. Maybe you're a negotiator and a salesperson in some other type of your business. Um, maybe you work in an ancillary business where you have access to this data. But for most people, what you really need is an expert realtor that can get you the data that we're talking about, um, possibly a lender that can show you the numbers and, and where they're seeing uh, things happen in, in the current market. But it's really educating yourself, knowing what you want and looking for the inefficiencies in the market, even if it's just one property that for whatever reason is, is going to sell the discount. That's all you need. Most people aren't looking to buy more than one. No, good stuff. And if you need that professional, that expert, there's a link in the description of this podcast that we can guide you to someone, you know, to that can answer these questions, guide you through the process and, and help you make the right decision on the right property. And the last thing I want to touch on, I didn't mention it earlier in the video, markets that have boomed big time over the last couple of years could be other opportunities, not because those markets are crashing, but because there's so much talk in those markets about prices coming down that you could find a seller that is truly scared of what's going on and just wants to get rid of a property. So maybe you can find some value in that. But I think at the end of the day, applying all of these things will help you get a better deal in this market. So Josh, I think we should leave it there. Next episode, we're going to touch more on the renting versus buying aspect of, of owning a home. But until then, we appreciate you listening. Have a great day. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Educated Home Buyer. Want to connect with us or to a local expert in your area? Please reach out at theeducatedhomebuyer.com slash expert. If you found any value today, please be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. In addition, we ask that you share it with your friends and subscribe to us on YouTube. And make sure to follow us on social media. Thanks again for listening.